Pass First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Make the show your first listen every day. Coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday. So start your days. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. Today's episode, a very special one. We are joined by annual, semi-annual, what's it, I guess, biannual, but the part... <laughs> But the way you mean it when you come on twice a year, guest Nate Duncan of the uh, Dunked On podcast and the basketball internet at large. Nate, how you doing? Doing well. Let's uh, talk a little Blazers on this Sunday morning. Yeah. So we're recording this on a Sunday morning. The Blazers are going to play a couple basketball games before this episode comes out. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm you... sorry. I that's, uh, That is one of the all-time faux pas to just assume that the episode was coming out immediately uh hopefully they won't trade anyone before that yeah that's what i was really worried about too i was like please please don't make any moves before wednesday morning when this drops i might even drop this late tuesday just in case uh but the Blazers play they're gonna play a couple basketball games so if we don't know what happened in the lakers game and the spurs game is because they haven't happened yet they're ha- they happen in eight hours or so before we get into the trade deadline stuff because we're we're three weeks out less than three weeks out uh what have you made of the blazers in the first half of the season nate Yeah, it's been a very familiar story, I guess. Uh, When Dame Lillard is healthy, they're a solid team, plus 5.1 when he's on the floor. Offense is really good uh, when he's out there as well. They look like a team when he's out there that is not going to be a pushover, at least could cause some problems, maybe even in the right matchup, uh, get an upset in the first round. But when he's off the floor, they've really struggled. Uh, Their overall depth, uh, particularly in the front court, particularly when there have been injuries that have been a, a little bit of a problem. The defense is better at times, but also has some moments where it looks really bad. They've got some young guys that they're bringing along who look like they have potential, but also like aren't really great for the team right now. And, you know, maybe Jaden Sharp could turn into Anthony Simons a couple of years from now, but it's just, it's kind of, it's all a very familiar story. Dame just signed a big extension. Like it's just, I, I guess it's, this is kind of what they signed up for, obviously by keeping Dame around. And it's just, it's really eye of the beholder of kind of whether this is all quote unquote worth it or not. They traded for another, you know, starting power forward. Like It's just, it's like, it's all, it's all the same thing again. It seems like really. Yeah. They, I mean, as like you, when, from my position, I was like, I record a daily podcast. I just change the names, right? I just like, I just ADR in like, instead of CJ McCollum, I just say Anthony Simons. I'll put, uh, you know, Jeremy Grant's name over Robert Covington or Larry Nance from past episodes. And I just, I just churn them out. Like, that's no problem. I just, uh, I just can replay episodes from the past with a couple, you know, subbing in a couple new names. So yeah, it feels really familiar. Like, I, I think there was some question at the beginning of the year is how good Dame would be coming off an injury and all that stuff. And he's been really good. Like he's been basically back to his normal self. I think that question, yeah been answered they're just not they just don't have enough quality nba players to really be um to really be a problem what have you made of shaden sharp um i i think you were you were intrigued by him early on now that you've seen him play 40 43 games or whatever what do you think you know i we didn't get to see much of him in summer like i i don't, I don't want to say famously because I, it may not have reached that many corners but it, i he was number one on my draft board that in large part was due to not being particularly fascinated with any of the other players who are on there and so i'm like hey a guy who can has this type of bounce can shoot the ball like this uh, like he's got the most potential that's what i'm shooting for is like 
is that upside. And obviously, I would have Paulo well behind him at this point in time, but that's because Paulo has really exceeded my expectations. I thought I kind of had right. Paulo and Shaden as co number ones. And, you know, that you'd be insane to have Shaden over Paulo at this point. But I guess I don't, not even that Shaden has been like so good. It's more just that there isn't really that second guy now that Matherin has cooled off in this draft class. So I might still have him second on my board. Not even that he's impressed me that much, but just due to the obvious potential. Um, yeah, you know, I, I got a few more thoughts, but if you wanted to react to that, yeah, I would, I would maybe keep Jabari above him because I think if he was in a better ecosystem, he has the potential to be a better defensive player. He's just been one of the worst organizational ecosystems you could possibly imagine in terms yeah. of a young, in terms of a young player getting like meaningful minutes. But yeah, I'm, I, I knew you, I knew, you were, I didn't know you had him number one, but I knew you were one of the people out there in the world who was very high on him because when I was doing my little draft roundup, I was like, well, Nate Duncan really likes him. I mean, there's gotta be something, there's gotta be something to say for that. Nate Duncan is, is a fan. So yeah, I think in general, Sharp has been, well, he was, he was good to begin the year. And then he had a really tough December where I feel like he just, they kind of, you know, they just park him in the corner. And I feel like teams just said, okay, we, we know kind of, we know what he's going to do, but I think he's been better over the last in January. Like, I think he's really found a, a groove in the last couple of weeks. He's not like a high level NBA contributor, but he's pretty darn good for a 19 year old. Um, what, what are your other thoughts about him now that you've seen him play? Yeah. You know, I thought there have been times when his effort has been good this year I mean, with just the total lack of any kind of high-level experience, uh, obviously that was going to be a question mark. Clearly, he still has a, a long way to go in terms of understanding defensive concepts. I would say where I've been probably less impressed is I thought his handle would be a little bit better yeah. than, than it has been. Like, he really, if he gets, if he's dribbling out on the floor and they haven't put him in that role very much for that reason, and also because he's always playing with a, a Simons or a Lillard, basically, but... He's not like he can get pressured up even if he's bringing the ball floor. Like I thought he had a few more moves to get to his shot off the dribble. And instead it's kind of, all right, if he catches the ball on the move, he can take one or two dribbles, maybe step back, get his shot off that way. But obviously if he's going to be a really high level player, he's going to need to be uh, capable of operating more in pick and roll. The biggest issue with him from a physical standpoint was that he didn't have the absolute quickest first step. And I think we've seen that, but I think with his ability to rise up, you should be okay. If he can just have enough of a functional handle to use the screen and pick and roll, get to a spot and score. And, you know, obviously like his cutting his alley-oop game, like all that is good. So I still, I'm probably lower on him than I was at the draft. Not even that he's been bad, but just because we haven't seen the hint of that, you know, 90th percentile outcome, which is kind of what I was chasing by having him as high on the draft board as I did. Yeah, I, I you know, he takes a lot of bad shots because of the handle. Like he'll 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 take one dribble, two dribble pull ups and take like tough 20 footers because he doesn't have. OK, I, you know, they came to my strong hand. I, he doesn't have that quick crossover into another move like he has. You know he's he's try, he tries to shake you with one move and then straight line drive and sometimes it leads to him putting up crazy highlight dunks and other times like that straight line drive gets cut off and he takes some tough um tough 20 footer pull ups like that it, i mean he's 19 you're going to do it um it's just it's going to happen that way uh, the other thing you mentioned i think is 
something that he has improved at is just playing harder. There was a while where it was like, why isn't he just, why, what, what, like, what do they need to do to get him to have more juice? And I feel like he was kind of figuring out where that was going to be particularly, not just on defense where I think he's really bad, but like he's a teenager. So I'll give him a pass, but like on offense, just like not ready to attack, not ready to like, why are you, why are your feet not set? If you're standing in the corner, what are you doing there? Like what, what, what do you think? The, what do you think the job is if you're spaced in the corner on a uh, Dame Nurk middle pick and roll? Like uh, you're, you need to be ready to catch it and shoot it. So, I, I think he's been good. Um, and I think because of the Blazers' depth, he's like he's not just playing because they're force feeding him and trying to get him to two thousand minutes or whatever. Like they kind of have to play him. He's like an important part of their bench group. Um, so yeah, I, I think I I would say overall my returns are positive. I'm probably the reverse of you. I was lower on him coming out of the draft. Now I'm like, yeah, he can play. He'll be fine. Let's uh, yeah. let's talk. Yeah, Let, let's talk some NBA trade deadline stuff. Uh, we are, like I said, we're recording this a little bit before it comes out. So if the Blazers make any trades, who knows if this will see the light of day? <laughs> we'll just I'll just have a little Shane Sharp talk and then an apology for the second part. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and I'm excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner. We're locked on because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Plus, new customers who join today can get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlays. All that is on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, basketball fans, sports fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. Here's the rest of my conversation with Nate Duncan. The Blazers, they don't have a... They're going to try to stay below the tax line. They're $67,000 below the tax unless they get somebody really good. This is not a tax team. Um, it wouldn't really make sense to chase future tax years, jeopardize future repeater tax years for a team that's going to, you know, finish somewhere between sixth and tenth in the West, sixth and twelfth in the West. Uh, what what do you see them? What do you see as their biggest parts to move heading into this trade deadline? Well, obviously, I would say their biggest asset, if they're not going to move Lillard, Grant, or Simons. It would be sharp, it, you would think. that They have this weird pick that's lotto-protected in perpetuity, basically, and is kind of feels like a 50-50 proposition, maybe slightly less than that, to right. go every year. So, so then if they want to trade future picks, that does impact things. Maybe they could talk to Chicago and get the protection taken off that pick if they wanted to. I wouldn't recommend that, however, <laughs> for this type of team. And, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's sharp. And, you know, I mean, I think there are some people like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't trade Shaden Sharp for Kevin Durant. I'm like, insane. Yeah, <laughs> like, I would do it's that. Just like, <laughs> like, yes, you have like a guy who's a good young player. Like, maybe Shaden Sharp will be like a couple-time All-Star someday. It's like Kevin Durant will be a couple-time All-Star just in the next like two, three years. But in any event, uh, you know, so, so they've got, I mean, in theory, they could trade three picks and three swaps. Uh, in reality, that's probably not really possible. And moreover, it just doesn't seem like 
the sort of player who would be worth that kind of a commitment would be available. You know, maybe uh, someone like Pascal Siakam could become available, and that might be someone that they would want to go all in on. But, uh, of course, uh, that's really kind of based on him wanting to be there. It's based on the Raptors making a decision. So, and then as far as anyone else who might be available, you know, it's like, all right, Josh Hart, if you want to trade him, like uh, maybe they could use a, a more traditional small four, but I don't think Josh Hart can get you that. Maybe there's a player, just in concept, we could talk about who this might be, that might be available who could be part of the future at small forward next to Jeremy Grant. And that, you know, you could maybe try to trade two first round picks uh, or uh, another younger player that maybe that's not Shaden Sharp for that guy. But then the question becomes how you pay all these people right. as well to be playing Jeremy Grant, you know, at least 25 million a year, if not more, you would think Simons, more. Lillard. Yeah. And then also another like good quality starting small forward. He's going to need a new contract that's over 20 million a year. And, and now you're kind of busting the budget. Yeah, it's they they're expensive. Like they're going to be expensive to be what they are, and they're not like one move away. They're not like well, if we go all in and pay someone thirty million bucks, then we're going to like be in that upper tier. They could pay, you know, one really good starter would put them in that sort of like as good as New Orleans type tier um, without the upside because they don't have freaky deaky Shack on the roster. Um, it's like I. I wonder, I, I assume that they won't do anything big at the deadline because I don't think they're going to trade the big three guys or the three guys that you mentioned, um, little three as a case, maybe undersized power forward, uh, Ant and Dame. Uh, but like, yeah. so it's, it's really Josh Hart and Nurk. I have trouble seeing suitors for Yusuf Nurkic. What do you think his trade value is? Yeah, you always run into this uh, with centers and uh, who needs a center because Generally, if you're trying to upgrade at center, you're doing it because you think you're in championship contention. But how much do you really want to give up? The Spurs are probably running into this with Jakob Pertl as well. Different player than Nurk, but sure. another guy who might be competing on the center market there. So you're like, well, this guy is probably not going to close games for us on a team that's defensively versatile enough. Like Nurk's a very important defensive player. For this team, but that's because it's this team, right? And right. that's never going to have that elite of a defense. So, a team that's going to bring in Nurk as the starter to try to compete for a championship and compensate Portland accordingly is very difficult to find. Yeah, that's that's the thing I keep, you know, when I'm I'm trying to be a trade machine Picasso out here, which I think is what Ben's. Uh, <laughs> Bill Simmons once called himself. So I apologize yes, for stealing yes. that one. Um, so like Rembrandt or whatever, Rembrandt of Fanspo is what I'll call myself. Uh, but, <laughs> but like I have trouble finding a place that Nurk fits where it isn't just like, Hey, we'd love to take on some bad money type of team. Um, it's like, and, and even then it's like, would do, do those teams that are like, cheap like the pistons or whatever like uh, inexpensive is what i mean when i say cheap inexpensive rosters it's like what do they want with nurk like what, what, you know what, what what is their what is his what is his sort of utility to them so i have trouble seeing that um i, I think the blazers trade peace to kind of then you mentioned him but like doesn't probably doesn't swing you a big upgrade and because they're very unlikely to kill the protections on that pick um they don't have sweeteners is josh hart you and John Hollinger on your podcast mentioned Josh Hart is one of the most confounding players in the league. What if, before we get into his trade value, what have you made of his season? 
Yeah, I noticed it right at the start, and I think it kind of went under the radar because he had that game-winning corner three yep. very early on. But it turned out that the gun to his head of, yes, this is the very last second of the game, and you're wide open in the corner, and you have to take it is the only way he'll shoot a three-pointer, apparently, this year. Yeah. And he's really has been, you know, I noticed in the first two, three weeks that he was taking like three per 36 minutes, and he just looks like very uncomfortable and rickety when he does take it. Like, it's not the smooth motion that it used to be when he came out of Villanova, really kind of touted as a 3 and D guy. And we haven't seen just a, as many of the headlong transition drives as we saw from him last year. And so I, I think, and he's the size of a two, but. And he always was like maybe a little slow-footed laterally to guard opposing twos. Obviously, he's got the big wingspan. He's strong. So he can compete against some threes. And they got Grant and Hart can even kind of mash around a little bit with some fours. He can rebound. But if he's going to shoot this little, you know, he's not really, to me, quite starting caliber at yeah. this point. And particularly if you're going to play him with the, another center. And so, it, you know, his contract situation is fascinating as I'm sure all the listeners know here where he's got that non-guaranteed player option coming up here for, let me check it. Yeah. For 12 point or basically 13 million for next year. So uh, yeah, it's really, really fascinating situation with him, but again, it, and also they need him, right? Like who's going to step in right, that exactly. position. You know, you know, unless it's like Nasir Little, who I don't hasn't quite shown that he's ready to me. I guess particularly for worry. like a thirty yeah. minute, thirty minute a night role, I don't think he's ready for yeah. it. Yeah, right. No, I, I think that's right. Like the, this is a team that doesn't have enough depth already. So generally, if you're going to move Hart, I mean, does he have first round value for another team? Like, I mean, obviously, if I could do that deal, I probably would, but I'm, I don't think that that's out there. So I, yeah, I think you know, I think they to... kind of, yeah. I think you try to sell him hard to the Bucks. The Bucks need kind of a uh, kind of that wing player, and you're just like, Josh Hart is better than Grayson Allen. You call him every day, and you send him clips, and you say Josh Hart's better than Grayson Allen, and see if the Bucks, a team that needs you know one piece to go the next level and kind of needs a wing, you try to find that that suitor, right? Like that's that feels like to me like a good the best. When I've been looking around, that seems to me to be the best Josh Hart landing spot because it's like they need one more guy who can kind of, I mean, the PJ Tucker role, someone who can get, uh, just die on the wing. Like, Hey, can you go out there and let someone score 40 on you, but we won't have to double team. I think Josh Hart can do that at a relatively high level. And if he wasn't asked to start, he'd be, he'd be way better. He's, I think one thing that's, um, been strange is that last year with, with new Orleans and then with the Blazers when he got here, but it was like a weird, uh, situation. They let him run a ton of pick and rolls. He doesn't run many pick and rolls, and he has kind of vaguely hinted at that change in role. Less on ball stuff has kind of thrown him off to find his way. That doesn't really explain not shooting, but it does explain kind of just like I don't know, general uh, taking a step back because you feel like you're just like I'm a floor spacer, but they're not utilizing my skills or whatever it might be. I think that's that's a curious case of 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 Josh Hart. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just, I don't know if you agree, but when he actually does take the threes, I'm like, wow, this is taking him forever to load up. It seems like he's he doesn't have a solid base on his shot. It's I would not say, compact. I think the um, the release is more than the base. It's, it's like he's, yeah. he, he gets it up about, you know, 20% of the way and he's just like, should I shoot it? And he has this like half hitch. It's not even, it's not like a full physical hitch, but it's like almost 
it's not, it's just not fluid from the ground up. Cause it's like, I don't want to shoot this ball. Um, you know, he had a, he had a, a, a tough one at the end of the game a couple weeks ago. And he's just like, you gotta take a three pointer and does it and dribbles into a turnover against the Cavs. It's like, and then he spent the weekend following that turnover. He launched threes. He took, he took 11 in two games. It's like, they clearly were like, please Josh, shoot the ball. He yeah. went one of he went like uh, two of eleven or whatever in that stretch. Yeah. So well, it's, well it's... when when Nate Jones, who you know works at Damian Lillard's agency, is commenting on him passing up shots, that's not a good sign. Yeah, but publicly multiple times saying Josh Hart needs to shoot more. That is, um, you know, that it is everywhere if it's out publicly in that manner. It's certainly in the locker room and in the conversations with him. You mentioned the Blazers' upgrade for a wing how many wings are even going to be available on this market? Like how many, how many teams are sellers and how many teams are sellers for a dude above six foot six? Yeah. It's tough to find that you would think. I mean, now does Boyan Bogdanovich count and not a guy I think is young enough to be a great fit for the Blazers, although certainly having that level of shooter would be pretty cool. And maybe one more creator, though they're kind of the starting lineup kind of has enough creator. I think Boyan in the second unit could, Really they're light on them. shooting. They're light on shooting. Yeah. They need it. They could use one more shooter for sure, if not two, but one for sure. Yeah. Jay Crowder is out there. Kelly Oubre is out there as well. I'm quite certain Gordon Hayward could be had, but uh, he wouldn't fit into the salary structure. Josh Richardson is a little shorter, but he plays a little bit bigger as well. You know, Alec Burks is someone that maybe they could grab. Gary Harris might be available. In trade, he kind of is very similar to Josh Hart, but I think a better defender and a little bit better a shooter and someone who could play up a little bit in similar fashion to Josh Hart. 2016 Gary Harris would really help this team. If that guy comes yeah. out of the time machine, they would be they'd be really happy to have him. Yeah, I mean, I have to I haven't locked in on him too much this year. I thought he was actually very good last year and he just made too much money really to get traded. And so then he right. ended up being back with the with the magic. Um you know, Sadiq Bay might be an interesting name again, someone who would have to get paid eventually, but a guy who's got a little bit more size and half. So, if you want to put Jeremy Grant on the other team's best wing, then you could put Bay could guard the four. He you could know, guard fours. Yeah. Is, yeah. What does Detroit think of him? Like, you know, again, that might be a you know, another future first round pick type of trade. Um, let's see here. You know, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, again, someone who it's going to be expensive, but yeah, he would help right. for sure. Yeah, new contract doesn't really fit into what they're trying to do. Uh, there's talk that Rui Hachimura might be available. He doesn't really move his feet well enough. Uh, uh, Cam Reddish, you know, as as kind of a second draft guy, could be interesting. The Blazers have had luck developing players, so maybe that would be someone. Uh, Matisse Thybul. You can inter- feel free to interrupt me on any of these names. We could talk. Yeah, about I, more. I, I think I, the reddish thing is a name that comes up big with the fan base because I think they know he's available and people get excited about some, yeah. some like an acquirable piece. I'm not a big reddish believer. I, I, I think I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to pop more as a defender. I thought early in his maybe second season, I was like, okay, this guy can play defense if the shooting continues to come around. It'll get there. You know, it's like shooting 30% from three. Um, it's hard to know when a guy falls out of the rotation what that is, like what exactly that is. Um, and 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 like particularly with Tibbs, like is he just is he just a bad practice player? You know, is he just someone who doesn't go hard on Wednesday mornings or whatever? And he can't so he can't play on Thursday nights. Um, it's hard to know. I, I'm not a, I am for the price, like a future second round pick, sure, take a flyer on Cam Reddish. I'm just not sure on him 
helping too much. Although the Blazers are so, they are so light on wing depth that it's probably worth it for almost anyone who can maybe be an NBA player. Yeah, and I think the idea again would be you get his restricted free agency rights. You can hopefully bring him back on a little bit more of a make good type of contract, and he grows right. into a role for you over the next two or three years at a price where it's not going to be $25 million a year, which they probably can't afford. Um, uh, I have a, I, a, yeah. a question for you regarding, you, you mentioned the pick protections. Uh, Blazer fans know this, but just a, real quick, the Larry Nance trade included sending a lottery protected first round pick to the Chicago Bulls, which is protected through 2028. So if the Blazers make the playoffs, they'll they get rid of that pick and they'll have future picks to trade. In my mind, they got to make the playoffs. They got, they have to make the playoffs because they got to get rid of this. They got to get out of the shackles of, um, of the, of the Larry Nance Campbell of a couple years ago. Um, what like, you don't, you don't think they should. And I don't, I agree with you. They, they should not remove the protections off that pick. Right. No, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I mean, if they went on an amazing run and, you know, go like, you know, win their next 10 games, then maybe, but yeah, when you're under 500, no, you cannot remove the protections on that pick. They're, they're one Dame injury away from being right back at, in a top 10 pick and maybe even possibly with the flattened lottery odds like getting into the top four and getting a, a total franchise changer. So sure. I think, no, you, you definitely can't go that route. And if they were, you know, if they're 10 games over 500 right now and, you know, feeling pretty good. Because then, and also, I mean, there's even the possibility that you get into the play-in, right? And and then you lose, right? So, getting into the top six, particularly with this recent skid, is starting to feel pretty unrealistic for this group. So, I, I think unless you are guaranteed to be in the top six, I don't want to have a pick out there that's unprotected. Yeah, that's that's how I feel too. Do you agree that they have to make the playoffs, or do you say, "Yeah, screw it, get in the lottery again," and kind of like, re, you know, restart the cycle of of another another intriguing asset and and you know, protected picks down the line? Well, let me ask you this: What's more useful, getting a top ten pick now, or being able to trade another first rounder in the future? probably getting another top 10 pick now and but, frankly if you're going to make a trade you could trade that pick right 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 yeah right, you could right, keep like that the, pick, the and, pick yeah once you've kept that pick that's going to be more valuable than once it's and, once and it's can, eight yeah. or whatever yeah exactly yeah they're just in a weird spot because of the money they've committed to damian lillard and the money they are going to commit to jeremy grant is that they're going to pay a bunch of 30 year olds right like jeremy grant's only 29 with all due respect sorry for jeremy for aging you um but you know it's like they're they're if you are if the big money at the top of your roster is dudes who are not like championship level stars Dame's very good like it might make an all-nba team but like uh it's the cycle of being like, let's get another 19 year old and like, see how long it takes for them to get up to speed to being really good. They're just in a weird spot. Like I agree that that's the most responsible way to build, but I'm not sure that that, I'm not sure you can achieve both timelines. I'm not sure you can be win and be competitive with Dame and, and Jeremy Grant on this roster and also like continue to reload on lottery picks. So I'm that part for me, I have trouble squaring like what the plan is. 
Yeah, I think you kind of hit, though, there that, and this is something you and I have talked about together for years, of what your expectations should be when Damian Lillard is your best player, and particularly now as we get into Damian Lillard in his 30s, that it's kind of like, and they've tried and tried for years and years, I think you cannot fault this team for not like going all in enough around Damian Lillard. Would you agree over the last like two years that they've kind of, they've kind of tried everything? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think you will. I, I think maybe I'll reserve my all in judgment till this summer and see, see what they do with the draft picks and stuff. Because I think this is, you know, with the new front office and with Dame kind of like, you know, uh, having some influence because he got that big contract. It's like, let's see what they do yeah. with this cycle um, before I hold judgment. But yeah, I think that they have given, considering what they've mostly had to work with, they've they've given big punchers chance. They probably should have traded CJ in 2018 and fired Terry Stotts and really started over, but then they made the freaking Western Conference Finals. So it's like, sure. uh, it's, you know, and I think after, um, you know, after kind of a nightmare year, uh, or, you know, that was probably one of Neil's best years, 2019. And then it's, it kind of fell apart after that. So um, it's, it, they're, they're, I, I don't know exactly what to do with them. Let's 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 hit on a couple of names, and then I'll get well, you. Well, here. quick, quickly, one more thing on, uh, sure. on that uh, that I was trying to set up is just it, there's a, a famous uh, episode of uh, Mad Men where Don Draper tells Peggy, who's like complaining that you know things aren't good around the office or whatever, you know, whatever her complaint is, and, and he's like, "Well, that's what the money is for." And so yeah. for Dame, I think it seems like both he and the Blazers hopefully have gone into this with their eyes open that, Hey, all right, we know we're going to make reasonable efforts to try to be as good as we can here. And we'll make this Jeremy Grant trade stuff like that. But also I think it's, there's maybe an understanding that no, we're not going to trade a a top 10 pick for like a starter, you know, that that's just that, that level. I mean, you say, Hey, it's not possible to have these two timelines, but I don't think it's possible to really compete no matter how all in you go anyway, I think they've largely tried. That was kind of the point that I was getting to there. And so uh, I think the reason that you don't want to take the protection off that pick as we get back to that is just, yeah, there is another era of Blazers basketball. Also, quite frankly, if you get a player who really, really pops, he'll have more trade value than the pick itself would have uh, early on. So if you really, if there's really a game changing, you know, Kevin Durant type of deal out there, that could make this team a realistic championship contender. You're probably better off having the pick and, and uh, making that play. But I think that doesn't, what I'm saying here doesn't mean, Oh yeah, we should tank. Like we're going to try to make the playoffs sure. this year. It's just, if we get to the point where it's obviously not going to happen, then obviously you can reassess that and, and kind of do what they did last year down the stretch. So I, I think ultimately like it's, what everyone has kind of signed up for here is this sort of two timeline thing where, Hey, we're going to make reasonable efforts to be good. We owe you that you're going to be a franchise legend. You'd still want to be here. We are paying you what's going to be a crazy amount of money. As you get into your mid thirties, you'd be massively overpaid. So we gave you this. <laughs> you think, 60, you wanted to you be think here. $65 million at 36 is too much money. Yeah. We'll see if it ends up being that much uh, based on the new, new TV deal. That'll be a, uh, that'd be interesting. It could be more like mid fifties, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a little, a little bit, particularly like that. Thirty-five percent of the extension. cap, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That that extension was, uh, you know, not a move that you make because you're being fiscally responsible. That's like, hey, we're rewarding you. We want you to be yeah, happy. So, but you know what you're signing up for here. 
hundred percent. I think both sides, like you said, both sides have to understand what the deal is. It's like, you want to take a max contract extension? We will give it to you. You got to know how this, how it all works in the back half. Uh, you mentioned a, a bunch of wings that I am not excited about. Kelly Oubre Jr. Or Kelly Oubre might be my least favorite player in the NBA. Uh, Jay Crowder is incredible reputation. Maybe not a very good basketball player. Totally fine. Totally fine basketball player. Um <laughs> But he's being treated like um, a real franchise savior. Maybe he'll help the Bucks win a championship and all look stupid. Um, the name that's like the name that seems to be that you didn't mention is OG Ananobi. Do you think um, the Raptors would move him, and what price would be reasonable for the Blazers to pay to get? Because he seems to be like young, all NBA potential, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But like, what is too much to pay for an OG Ananobi? Well, I think it, just in terms of a price that would make sense for him and this is kind of assuming that he wants to be there and that right. he's probably makes too little to extend so you're going to run into a situation where he's going to be a free agent after next year and he could leave potentially but just in terms of like what I think is a fair price for a guy like him you know something on the order of two first round picks that are pretty good or a first rounder and like a good young player uh you know the sharp straight up for Ananobi is kind of an inch it, an interesting idea potentially i'm sure that one has been bandied right about now the question of whether that makes sense for this team or not is a separate one but in terms of what i think a fair price would be given his contractual situation in particular i mean i think he's one of the best 3 and d players in the league right uh, that's that's about where i would end up i think in terms yeah of i think the idea is like amphrey simons and a first or something like that um would you do that and that's that get I think maybe, yeah, I probably, I would definitely, I would definitely consider it, but I think you might end up getting burned because Amphrey Simons might end up being, he's 23 and he can really score. Like you might end up being like, damn, we should have held on to this really good player who has, I think, no, like some real skills. Same with a trading Shaden Sharp. It's like, what do you, it's the timeline thing. What timeline are you operating on? Are you trying to be really good in 2025 or are you trying to, you know, build beyond that with, with a, with a sort of, younger more controlled dudes under 25 years old who will still be under 25 when you hit that summer so I, they're in a weird spot uh what do you, do you think they make a move let's i'll, I'll get you out of here on, on just a, a guess what's what's you think they make a move i mean i think some something will happen just due to the financials to get a little more breathing space to get some buyout guys or just sign someone else or, or whatever so I, I think there'll be something as far as what we would consider a major move, a heart trade, a first-round pick, or a significant young player going out, I would say probably not. Yeah, I think they might trade Josh Hart. They might, just because of his entering free agency, probably, unless the graphs perfectly align and he comes back. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's a tough one. So I think they might, but I... I I will guess they do something, but I, big move. I think almost no chance. I think the big, I think their big swing, they're going to have to do it in the summertime uh, when they have more clarity on what their future pick situation is. Nate, thanks for joining the program. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, where can, if people are looking for more of you, where can they find it? Yeah. Well, you got the Twitter handle in here. So that's uh, probably the easiest place, but of course we have our subscription podcast service dunked on prime. John Hollinger is part of that. Once a week, we've got our mock trade deadline coming up. I think uh, Kevin Pelton and Dan Feldman are going to be on that as well. We also have Seth Partno doing some writing and statistical support for us uh, as well. Dan writes five days a week on whatever the biggest updates of the day are. 
So you get that in your inbox. We got a great Discord community as well. So I, I encourage people to check that out or, or maybe get the basketball fan in your life a gift subscription. Yeah, listen, um, th- it's a lot of content. I'll just, I'll, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you guys the, the elevator pitch. It's, a, it's a lot of content. They're gonna, they're bringing you a lot of audio content. And now with the writing stuff, it's like it's, Dunktown Prime's got it, it's in terms of what you are paying for is, uh, is, you'll be, you will get a lot of volume and really just in depth stuff that you're not gonna find a bunch of other places, basically nowhere else. I'll, I'll, uh, um with all due respect to my colleagues here at the Locked On uh, Podcast Network. Nate, I appreciate you. Dear listeners, come back for tomorrow's show. Uh, we will we'll keep it rolling five days a week. That's what we do. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon.